never say die! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 298 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And somehow, in a film series with hyper-evolved apes, faster-than-light travel, and the Statue of Liberty being the only pristine reminder of the Earth that was, the most unbelievable thing is James Franco as a scientist. (laughs) I was waiting for him during when he was doing the presentation. He'd be like, different but same <laughs> same same i thought you were going to say the most unbelievable thing were those beards those astronauts were wearing oh in the first one i yeah. didn't think they were that bad i could i could see the spirit come from here i was just curious about how come they had they grew beards but they didn't grow any uh their hair didn't get any longer or their fingernails yeah what the hell where was all the feces throwing you watched the wrong movie again if you like feces throwing, I guess this is where we're going. You might like the shows on the podcast collective. <laughs> Title such, <years>. as, <laughs> such as Joel's own, the co- wait, uh, the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour. I want to say this Coffin Joe cast. That's on the network too, but it hasn't updated in a while. Uh, I am Salt Lake. The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. The Dog and Do Show. And of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. I'm just going to start muting your ass every time you do it. <laughs> Not my ass making them. Sounds like it. Thanks. You gonna work on your ass? Loosen All right. Hole. So enough of that. <laughs> iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, talk to Podverse FM, NoonFM.com. Go to Podchaser, leave us a review, or give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708-69-9727. And the question of the ages. <laughs> I'm looking yes. now. Why do I only look now? Uh no. <laughs> no voicemail. It's like Schrodinger's voicemail. It's it's always there unless we look. All right. So yeah. Um, did you just say meow? No, I said like yes. kitty cat lapping on a saucer of milk, jumping around all nimbly bimbly. <laughs> oh God! Uh, please let it be about that time. Completely <laughs> about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. Sports. <laughs> I'll save that one for sure. This weekend, the uh, date is April 3rd, 1968. The release of the Nimbly Pimbly Planet of the Apes. You almost forgot what we were doing, didn't you? I did. I, <laughs> I almost said Tipota. I was like, what the hell's Tipota? The presidents of the ass. Ooh, Josh, your job is at risk. Is it, though? <laughs> I saw that coming a mile away. All right. So, music, Joel. Yes, the number one song in the land was Sitting on the Day by Otis Redding. Great song. I said it right. Yeah. And interesting fact about this song, in case you guys didn't know, um, this was released, like I said, posthumously. The last verse where he's whistling was actually supposed to have lyrics, but they didn't get a chance to record them before he died, so they released it with them instead. Wow. That's probably the best idea ever for that song. Right. Turned out to be pretty, pretty iconic. Yeah. Which I believe you said earlier was just a placeholder. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. How how good of a per, I mean, how good of a musician that your placeholder creates a legendary song? Right. Yeah. We'll just add some lyrics there later. I'll just whistle it in. Now we leave it there. We got top hundred hit of the lifetime. All right. So April fourth was the I better slow down. On April fourth was the assassination of American clergyman and civil rights movement leader Martin Luther King in Memphis. The song "Pride in the Name of Love" was. Yeah, I started out way. 
Well, I included this fact in the tweet because it's obviously, you know, important iconic events in American history. And it has effects on everything that goes on through the rest of this week. So you'll see. There's a ripple effect. Gotcha. You kind of had to add it at the beginning. Yeah. So on March 30th, the Yardbirds recorded their live album, Live Yardbirds. Immediately affected by it. <laughs> it was the next bullet point. <laughs> Ah, so moving on before I ruin it. Uh, held April 6th. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to recover us nicely. Don't you worry yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. Couldn't see that the Martin Luther King assassination joke wasn't going to go well. <laughs> Who knew you couldn't joke about that? Definitely not Joel. <laughs> yeah, answer to that question, Joel. Joel. So held April 6th, the 13th Eurovision Song Contest held in London was the first to be televised in the contest was won by Maciel for Spain singing La La La. The UK finished in second place, just one point behind with the song Congratulations by Cliff Richard, which goes on to outsell the winning Spanish entry throughout Europe. So second place. Huh. Kind of like with uh, Ruben Stuttered and Clay Aiken. Now we're going to listen to the I The song is La La La. There's no way we can not. Eurovision. Let's see. I'm dropping in the middle. Wah! good lyrics well they weren't wrong i kind of from that little clip we just heard had almost a mamas and the papas vibe like it could have been just from the middle of one of their songs yeah it did that's 70s folk kind of rock stuff from them can you find the other one congratulations by cliff richard yeah i can just gonna assume it's him singing congratulations over and over again. <laughs> that was like the theme for that year, man. All the judges are like, do they just say the same damn thing? I'm just pick one. Very, very obvious song times here. Uh, here we go. But that was in the bad old days before I met and celebration. I'm digging this. Yeah, I'm kind of bobbing along. I'm like, oh. How did we get two winners from one Eurovision? Right? And he's dressed like uh Austin Powers. Not ironically either. <laughs> nope. No, he's I mean I'm not joking. I will send I will post the link. He he is literally dressed like Austin Powers and the the backup singers are dressed like the sex bots. Nice. I wonder if that video is what uh kind of informed or inspired the art design. Oh. Maybe. All right. So moving on. Sebastian Philip Bierk known professionally as Sebastian Bach, is a Canadian singer-songwriter who was born April 3rd. He achieved... Achieved? Achieved? <laughs> achieved? <laughs> oh, there he goes. He achieved mainstream success as frontman of Skid Row from 1987 to now. He continues a solo career and has acted on Broadway, film, and television. In yep. In the past couple seasons. Was he playing himself? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I didn't uh, keep up with Trailer Park Boys beyond the first couple of seasons. I didn't yeah. keep up with Trailer Park Boys past first couple of minutes. Yeah, he's a he's a regular character. He's a train enthusiast. Has a meet bubbles, and they become friends. And huh. and finally, Paula Cole, American one-hit wonder performer of Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? She won a Grammy Award for Best New Artist. Her song "I Don't Want to Wait" was used. Okay, so in the same bullet point, it calls her a one-hit wonder, and then mentions her other hit. Just want to point that out. No, no, no. That's you're totally right on that yeah, one. Not criticizing Patrick. He just like found it somewhere. No, no. Just I literally typed that up. I called her one hit wonder, and then I, I figured it needed a little. More. I added the last sentence. Added the other hit. I would the not. Contradict... Call, I don't want to wait a hit. That didn't make oh. like the top ten. It was all what? over the pop uh, you... station. Yeah. I don't want. 
Oh, yes. I was are. listening to the pop stations when it was big. You are full of it, Pat. Oh, honestly, look, it, I don't... look it up right now. What's the highest it, it got? I say it didn't get higher than eight. I, I Dude, agree with that. That's the thing is, an eight is a smash hit. Oh, no. Um, I was, don't you want somebody to love, uh, by Jefferson airplane, never charted higher than five. Well, yeah, you could do that for a lot. I mean, Jimi Hendrix never had a number one hit, but I mean, I'm just saying, you know, that that's a one hit wonder. Where have all the Cowboys gone? Got to number one, never had another song. That's if we're saying that chart position doesn't disprove whether or not something's a hit. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of songs. It peaked at 43, but there you go. Yeah. It had a hell of a lot of radio. Yeah, it had much more play than uh, Cowboys. But you'll still hear where have all the Cowboys gone? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to wait. Yeah, no. Maybe, maybe because you're in Texas. The well, radio just sucked down here. For... But no, I don't want. I mean, and I don't. I don't want to wait. I mean, you toss anybody. This is far more energy there. I want to waste on. Wait, hang on. It, and it ranked at number ten on the Hot 100, and was it had it was 56 weeks on the chart. That is a hit. It is one of only 32 songs in the history of had a chart run longer than 50 weeks. And he's got you there. And in Canada, it's her. I think the internet is agreeing with me and making you cut out. (laughs) (laughs) The internet has spoken, Josh. I don't know. Well, for once, I'm not wrong. (laughs) Yay. This is far more energy than I want to to Paula Cole. Can we move on to movies? Or did we lose Josh? I think we might have lost Josh, but I think. Honestly, I hope Paula Cole's a listener and she calls next week and is like, all right, you bitch. Hey, I've got two more hits than you. (laughs) All right, moving on to movies. She's got three more because I'm at negative one. Fair. Uh, The number one movie in the land was 2001, A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick, who premiered at the Uptown Theater in Washington, D.C. on April 2nd. Hmm. That is a trippy ass movie. I agree. I yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I appreciate it, but I don't understand a lot of the love for it. I think it's a little bit uh, pretentious and slow-paced. Well, it's a Kubrick. I'm sorry, I can't do. What's his name? Al. Dave. How is the robot? Dave. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it had some great moments. I'm not going to lie about that. You know, I mean, some of the cinematography was good, but overall, it, I, it, it was. I don't know long. as I go so far as to call it, but I, I otherwise I don't, can't say as I completely with you that it, I more appreciate it than enjoy it. Anyway, born on April 1st, Andreas Schnoss. <clears throat> How would you pronounce it? I know. I just, I'm sorry. Schnoss. The seventh grader got out. <laughs> is a German director and actor working. At... Since he first appeared on the film scene in 1989, Schnoss has become a leader in Germany's ultra violent, low budget horror film industry with his violent shit trilogy. That's true. <laughs> That's an awesome phrase. And the films Anthropophagus. And demonium. Yep. What does that I mean? Figured Joel probably has heard of him. He, he's a cult fanatic. Those violent shit movies. <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, the violent shit movies are kind of notorious. Are they? Are they really kind of like? Well, that's exactly what you asked for when you yep. came. Yeah. The the main killer wears like a uh, like a knight's helmet. Huh. Like uh, like the knights who say knee kind of you know rounded on the top sort of helmet. Crazy. Okay, born April 3rd in London, Charlotte Neenan Coleman is an English actress best known for playing Scarlet in the film Four Weddings and a Funeral. Jess in the television drama Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit, and the character Marmalade Atkins from the Marmalade and Rufus series. I know one of those. I like Marmalade and Rufus. I knew it. I knew it. You're the one who put it in there. What were you expecting? Yeah. 
Patricia Arquette, American actress known for many movies such as Boyhood, True Romance, Lost Highway, Flirting with Disaster, was born in New York on April 8th. Hooray! She's my favorite. Your favorite of the Arquettes? She's my favorite actress. Really? She's I knew one. that. Huh. I don't quite I understand too. it, but I, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like my Elizabeth Shue love. Yeah. I started with True Romance, and uh, I just... <laughs> Sorry. Title of your sex tape, Elizabeth Shue love? <laughs> not as weird as you'd think um, but yeah if you haven't seen boyhood or she she just did the act uh, that miniseries on hulu that was a got a lot of talent yeah i don't dislike her just like she never would have occurred to me to be like in contention for favorite for me like yeah yeah What's it's like the person that? i knew once that, that told me uh their favorite band was love and rockets I'm like really it's like well, i don't think there's anything wrong with them but favorite <laughs> right. What's your brother's name again? Well, he's not talking to me. I don't have a brother. Who are you talking to? Both Joel no. and I have brothers. No, uh, Patricia Arquette. Oh, oh her Alexis. Brother. Alexis. Yeah. Oh, no, David. No. Alexis was her brother that then became her sister. And okay, the one who was David. in Eight Legged Freaks. David. David. Okay, I like him. He's funny. Eight yeah, Legged David. Freaks is a lot of fun. And then there's uh, Rosanna, and then her. I dad. didn't care about the rest of the Joel. You don't have to tell. Me. Her dad is Louis. <laughs> Oh, uh, Rosanna was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. oh. Desperately seeking Susan. De- was she Susan? <laughs> she was, no, she was that... seeking. Yeah, oh, she was seeking. Okay. All right. Well, TV. The number yeah. one shows in the land were Rowan and Martin's Laughing, Gomer Pyle, USMC, Bonanza, and Mayberry RFD. We got to figure out a way how to do a Rowan and Martin show. They just did a thing on uh, Netflix, like a special. Yeah, I saw that. That I mean, that was making me think about it because I'm like, what could we? Is there anything that we could parallel it to that? Well, I mean, is it, is it just? But is it just like a? This is about Rowan and Martin, or is it new stuff? I think it's just like a retrospective kind of thing, yeah. but with all the original. Yeah, we'll just, workshop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll hammer it. We'll we'll force that into the format. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send that to R and D. See what they can do with it. Yeah. All right. So William Bellamy, more nope. April. What Bellamy? Bellamy. Yeah. Okay. Honorable try. Uh, <laughs> born April 7th as an American actor and stand-up comedian. He first gained national notoriety on HBO's Russell Simmons Deaf Comedy Jam, where he's credited for creating the coining the phrase booty call. Yep, Bill Bellamy. Huh. Uh, for many years, he was a staple on MTV. He went on to star in a number of movies, including Fled, Love Jones, The Brothers, How to Be a Player, Getting Played, Any Given Sunday, and Playing on every, Any Given Sunday. He posted seasons five and six of NBC's Last Comic Standing. In 2016, he played Dolph Lundgren's partner in Kindergarten Cop 2. He hosts and is executive producer on the Acronym of the Week, which is on TV One and is also BBWGJ. The internet tells me that's probably big, beautiful women get jobs? (laughs) Well, I thought it was going to be jaundice. Who? (laughs) Uh, No, that is Bill Bellamy's Who's Got Jokes. All right. I don't think I'd watch either of those. Yeah, no. Unless it was jaundice, in which case I'm like, yeah, yellow it up. All right. So the 40th. Get the Billy Rubin. I, I watch a lot of things with BBWs, so I can't. <laughs> uh, the 40th Academy Awards, scheduled to air on April 8th, were postponed on to uh, April 10th due to the death of Martin Luther King. Yeah. And maybe we shouldn't do anything too jovial now. Nope. Nope. Uh, April 1st was the last airing of the Andy Griffith Show. Which got hmm. bastardized into Mayberry RFD. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten. I'd blocked that show out. Yep. Yep. Sad. 
But anyway, moving on to sports. Sports. The 1968 Grand National was the 122nd renewal of the Grand National Horse Race. It took place at Aintree Racecourse near Liverpool, England on March 30th. The winner was the nine-year-old Red Alligator by 20 lengths. <laughs> that was a big ass kicking. He was ridden by jockey Brian Fletcher. We're talking about horses, right? Yes. Okay. I'm just, I had a lot of credit for the guy who rode the alligator. Right? And it was a Red Alligator. <laughs> I knew that's what you were laughing at, you dork. It's the most alligator of all the the red alligator. Breathes fire. Now it's a dragon alligator. And lastly in the twee, Major League Baseball's opening day, originally scheduled for April 8th, was also postponed because of Martin Luther King's assassination. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, for sure. Let's everybody just throttle it back for a little bit. Let's not. While the, while the riots were going on, the country was burning. Yeah, we'll go ahead and delay the baseball game. I'm going to put pause here. All right, so... As, as Pat let us in with a happy and go lucky theme, he's taking us out with the same. Play us off, keyboard Joel. No, 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 no. You got to do sad stuff at the end more often, dude. That was probably the best one yet. I was going to try and do taps, but. I... <laughs> dude. Never have I agreed with you more. Even I am not making Martin Luther King jokes. And I don't want to be because he's <laughs> like one of my. I love the man and I'm, I feel terrible now. <laughs> you guys brought me to this. I, we're in, we are not enablers of your terrible jokes. We have 25 years of proof of that. <laughs> you you have sucked long, long without our help. I have achieved great things. <laughs> well, there you go. Got your ringtone. Yeah. I have achieved. All right, so 1968, a movie came out called Planet of the Apes. Yay! It had a effect on science fiction and movies from point on. Yeah, pretty big one. Yeah. Based on the book Monkey Planet. Yep. Uh, written by Pierre Bollet. Boll, B-O-U-L-L-E, whatever. Uh, we'll get to that. But uh, astronaut crew crash lands on a planet in the distant future where intelligent talking apes are the dominant species and humans are oppressed and enslaved and I believe eaten from the hunting scene when they had them. I, I no. don't even know. It was never proven, but it sure looked like it. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw at least one of them in the stuffed in the museum. It's like, oh, you thought these were mannequins? No, not so much. Yeah, yeah they're taxidermied. Well, you can also tell they weren't mannequins because they were moving. The when the one where he's hiding in the in the one uh, display, and you you can see the guy trying to keep his hand up because he's been standing there so long, his arms getting tired. Oh, I, I missed that. that. Oh. Yeah, I missed it. So uh, this is directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, who also did such uh, low budget movies uh, that don't know people don't know about as Papillon, the boys from brazil and Patton. wow yeah there's a remake of Papillon. yeah oh, a future show Malik, perhaps yeah. yeah and it looks really good it's got uh what's his name who plays uh pennywise and rami malik yeah he's in it yep. yeah you're thinking of uh which scars guard is it? is that alexander uh, i think so i think so i get them all confused yeah, yeah. But, like the baldwin's but yeah, so uh, the writing credits on this one, uh, Michael Wilson. Oh. <laughs> it's Ahmed Skarsgård. <laughs> oh, Michael Wilson, who uh, wrote such things as Lawrence of Arabia and The Bridge on the River Kwai, and Rod Serling, who did Twilight Zone. He so, did. Yeah, it was. A, you you should check it out. It was a thing. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, we'll get some more trivia about that later. But um, seriously, writing chops on this one. And I think one of the things that Rod Serling, I th I'm amazed that he didn't do more movie th movies 
Uh, he seemed to stuck mostly to television because one of the things that he always hated was that he couldn't tell a good dramatic story. One of his comments is, how can you tell a, a good dramatic story when every 15 minutes you have a dog selling toilet paper coming out into the middle of everything? You know, it's he hated the commercial breaks. So, but uh, yeah, so Michael Wilson, Rod Serling, and the cast is a one, uh, Charlton Heston, playing George Taylor. Uh, Roddy McDowell is Cornelius. I always want to say it like uh, Fifth Element. Cornelius. Cornelius. Don, Corn- <laughs> Corn- Don Cornelius. Yeah, no, he's not in Fifth Element. Um, Kim Hunter as Zira. Maurice Evans yeah. as Dr. Zayas. I love you, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Yeah, in my notes, I have pause for stupid jokes here for that. (laughs) Uh, James Whitmore as the president of the assembly. James Daly as Honoris. Linda Harrison as Nova. Robert. Uh, Before, because I noticed it wasn't in the trivia, I want to talk a little bit about Linda Harrison right here. Because they've been trying to make this movie work for a very long time. And she was in the original uh, screen test for like proof of concept for the makeup. She was actually the first person to wear the Zero makeup. Oh. And like the cast for that uh, screen test was crazy. I'm, I'm trying to bring it up right now. But uh, it had other people that went on to be big stars because she was uh, someone that whose career beyond this never really took off. James Brolin was yeah. Cornelius. James Brolin, he was the other one I was trying to think of. Wow. And uh, uh, Edward G. Robinson, no. Yes, Edward G. Robinson was the other big name. Was huh. yes, really? Yeah. In the makeup <laughs> tests. That's crazy. Yeah. they'd been trying to get the studio to make this forever and ever, but no one believed that they could get the makeup to work. So yeah, they had this proof of concept that all these people it turned out to be huge stars later. That's fantastic. Yeah, you can see it on the, there's a documentary called Behind the Planet of the Apes that came out in the 80s, hosted by Roddy McDowell, and they have some of the, that, that screen test. Now, did you guys watch the Roddy McDowell um, home movies that I sent you? It's, that's also on the. Oh, the okay. Extras. Yeah, because yeah. this is, this is, I mean, apparently he did this in all the movies and that he just sort of carried around his Super 8 and videoed stuff. I wonder if Malcolm did that. Hail Caligula. Hopefully not. I don't want to see the cleanup <laughs> on that. Um. Or I stop. Robert, have you ever watched the Fright Night one? Then, oh. oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, uh, Robert Gunner as Landon, Lou Wagner as Lucius, Woodrow Parfrey as Maximus, Jeff Burton as Dodge, and Buck Cartelian as Julius. Um, quite the cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean James Whitmore. I mean, what what I found was amazing about the makeup is that you can see the human being be behind all this. You know, like the Roddy McDowell, Cornelius looked like Roddy McDowell. You know, he had that, he, I, I don't know, I guess the makeup, although just the way he put on, maybe not so much the mouth, but the rest of it. <laughs> well, yeah, the makeup looked super good until they started kissing. Yeah, that was <laughs> like bumping prosthetics against each other. Yeah, that was kind well, of weird. It, it was one of the first times that they could actually articulate through the makeup like that, at least with that kind of prosthetic. So some trivia on this. Rod Serling wrote over 40 drafts of Planet of the Apes before he was satisfied with the script. Which tracks? It was in development for a little... Yeah. Just trying to get it off the ground. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, this... In taking a step back and looking at the, the movie as a whole, I mean, this has got Rod's... Before you even knew this, it has Rod Serling written all over it. You know, the gigantic twist at the end type of thing. Cautionary tale. Yep. Uh, so, 
Planet of the Apes had quite the catalog. So uh, 1968, the book came out, Planet of the Apes, uh, along with the movie. And 1970, Beneath Planet of the Apes, that's the one with the people worshipping the bomb, isn't it? Correct. Okay. Which at the Technically, at the end of the film, the bomb blows up and theoretically destroys a planet, but sequel. Right. Then there's Escape yeah. from Planet of the Apes. And is that the one where, that's the one where they wind up in the past again? Yeah, that's where Cornelius and uh, Zira get the rocket and head back in time and okay. uh, thus leads into Conquest, which is the shirt I have on today. I've got my Conquest of the Planet of the Apes Jap- Japanese poster. Oh, neat. Uh, then there's Escape, Conquest, Battle for Planet of the Apes, and then they go into TV. So there's Planet of the Apes, the TV series, which had 13 episodes in 1974. Uh, Return to Planet of the Apes, the TV series, 13 episodes. TV movie called Treachery and Greed on Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Life, Liberty, and Pursuit on the Planet of the Apes was another movie in 1980. Also 1980, The Forgotten City of the Planet of the Apes. 1980, Farewell to the Planet of the Apes. And surprise, in 1980, Back to the Planet of the Apes. And in 1981, Planet of the Apes, The Flamethrower. Conquest is still my favorite of the bunch, hence why I have the t-shirt. Why is that your favorite? It's... The one that has kind of the most, I mean, it's very pointed social commentary. It's all about race. But oh. Jay Lee Thompson directed it, who was one of uh, Charles Bronson's biggest collaborators. And it just, it feels kind of modern still. Oh. Uh, and it's just really well done. I mean, you know, the first is always going to be the classic. But out of all the other ones, I mean, it just stands above it. And it's probably the closest to kind of where they were headed in like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and the new ones, which you guys will get to. Okay. Um, it's, it probably ties closest to that because the rise and the other ones kind of takes place somewhere between like Ape and Conquest, although the timelines are different. Okay. And now, the storylines. But anyway, we'll get to that. Now some trivia about the 1980s TV movies. All those TV movies, Treachery and Greed, all those are actually just two-parter episodes from the Planet of the Ape TV series that they stitched together and posted as a TV movie. Huh. Yeah. Because money. Yes. Um, some more trivia. During breaks in filming, actors made up as different ape species tended to hang out together. Gorillas with gorillas, orangutans with orangutans, chimp with chimps with chimps. Nobody required this, and it just naturally happened. If you yeah. watch the documentary that talks about that, that's, that was kind of a weird thing that happened. That's got. That's pretty cool. Um, Charlton Heston was sick during much of the film with the flu. Rather than wait for him to get better, the producers felt that his hoarse voice added something to the character of Taylor. I'm sure he felt great about that. Uh, according to Heston's diary, after filming the scene where Taylor and Nova are forcibly separated, he wrote that he was feeling like hell while shooting because of his illness and felt even worse every time that damn fire hose hit me. You can hear him saying that exact line. Oh, yeah. I love that that's in quotes. Totally hear him saying. Yeah, that's com- that is that is a, a Heston phrase. Um, the hear- see no evil, hear no evil gag. Uh, I'm sure did all of you see that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, was completely ad libbed. That's interesting because when I saw it, I was thinking this is the sort of like over the top satire kind of thing that Patrick would hate, but it was just a gag. It was a gag, but everybody found it funny and. They thought it was good to put it in there because the film was getting a little too serious, just to break it up a little bit. So, good on that. Who'd hate? Who'd who'd want it to be too serious? I don't know. Maybe a bit. Pat hates it. I did hate it. 
You're like the anti-life. You like life cereal? Yeah, Mike, you like it. Patrick yeah. hates it. He hates it. Um, John Chambers' outstanding makeup effects pioneered in the film were based on a technique that he had used during World War II to give disfigured veterans a normal appearance. Chambers spent many hours watching the apes at the Los Angeles Zoo, studying their facial expressions. Several other productions were delayed due to the fact that many of Hollywood's top makeup artists were working on this film. Leftover makeup supplies were later used on Michael Conrad, playing an ape-like alien in Lost in Space, Fugitives in Space. Uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences gave Chambers an honorary award for makeup, which was not an Oscar category until 1981. For this achievement, the second time that the makeup artist received an Academy Award, William Tuttle was the first for The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau in 1964. Uh, Chambers' award was presented by Walter Matthau and a chimpanzee in a tuxedo. Because? Because they wanted to see if they can get Walter Matthau and a chimpanzee in one tuxedo. They were pitching a movie, but it just... It'd have um, to be a big tuxedo. I was going to say, yeah. Walter Matthau had some things to say about that. Um... You know what they said when they originally were working on the makeup, um, Chambers was like, you know, get me a, get me an ape in here. Get me something that I can use as a model. So they brought a chimpanzee, huh. kept it in there for a while for they could design the makeup to make them as realistic as possible and to get their movement, movements down. Well, and bam, back then you can get a chimpanzee in any corner. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and even if the effects, the makeup is dated, when you consider the time it was made, it looks really good for the era. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you think of, I mean, you look at other movies that were out at the same time. This is, I mean, the, and I think this may have also been like one of the first times where there was like a big chunk of time put into putting on the makeup. I mean, it would normally, like some of the other stuff didn't seem like it was, it seemed like it was kind of thrown together. Um, Kim Hunter, though. Uh, one of the other things that I read is claustrophobic. Hmm. So when she was putting on her makeup, she took some, uh, not Xanax, what did they take back then? Valium. Valium. She popped some Valium before put, getting all the makeup on. So, Well, I, one of the things that stunted the filming for a long time was that their, you know, their closest comparison to the this type of movie would have been, you know, any of those old films where the guy was in the t- full gorilla costume. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to work. And despite some of the shortcomings in the makeup, you kind of forget about it because of the storyline, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, the, you guys already know I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the series, but the fact that you can watch it and you kind of focus on the story and you kind of lose yourself in the fact that there's issues with the makeup. Well, yeah, the story's so good, you get become forgiving for everything else. And honestly, yeah. with I mean, the, the makeup was I mean, excellent for that time. You know, versus just pulling like a ba- a gorilla head shaped bag over your head, which is what the other movies would do. Um, one of the other That's things, <laughs> gotta love that gorilla bag. Um, one of the other things that I read was that Charlton Heston, uh, <laughs> band name I call it, <laughs> was uh, approached by a woman who was checking to see if he was all right because he was sick, and he looked at her and he had no idea who she was because it was Kim Hunter out of costume. Oh. <laughs> So he was kind of like, who the hell are you? You know, um, I'm just assuming he did that in my head. So. Another Kim Hunter, a little anecdote. Uh, when she was taking the Valium uh, to relax for the makeup, she was talking to Linda Harrison about the Valium. And uh, Linda asked what the strength was on the Valium. She's like, oh, it's five milligrams. And she said, oh, my God, that little? I never go to sleep without 10 at least. Jesus. Oh, God. Well, it was a thing back then. 
Yeah, I'm not sure why I did a deep dive on Linda Harrison this afternoon, but I did. I want to party with her. Right? I don't think it's being as exciting as you would think. It'd be a lot of sleep and... Right. That's what I'm looking forward to. Are you kidding me? I love naps. Yeah, I think she's like 74 now. Sweet. Write me into the will. We'll... I'm checking to see how old she is. She is, yeah, 74. On the money. And what? still I alive. I don't know why I don't trust Josh. Thank you for subscribing to Linda Harrison Facts. <laughs> <laughs> she was Miss Berlin at one point. Oh. oh. Did you get that through Linda Harrison Facts on your phone? No, I just knew that. Oh. Oh. Maybe you should do oh. Linda Harrison Facts. <laughs> no, I just know all the Miss Berlins. You've now been subscribed <laughs> to Miss Berlin Facts. <laughs> so um, so was this the first time for anybody? Oh, I'm curious. Cause... Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Well, actually, uh, funny enough, it was the first time for my sister. What? She had never she had never seen this movie before, so I had her sit and watch it with me. Huh. And I gotta tell you, watching her watch the end of the movie was awesome. Hmm. So she didn't know? No, she had no idea. How okay, I have one that's awesome. On the other side, how does somebody get to your sister's age and not know the ending to this movie? I don't know. I have no idea. She knew like the, the iconic line of like you'll get your hands off me. She's like, Oh, that's where that's from. I'm like, Yeah. Huh. Hands off me, damn dirty. But when they um, when they first panned over, you know, and and you see the 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 spikes of the um the um oh my god the crown the torch. No, 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 no. She no. didn't catch it on the torch. She caught it on the spikes of the crown. She's like, wait, was that what I thought it was? And I just like, <laughs> and I just, I said, just keep watching. That's yeah, fantastic, you, right? So strangely enough, I am not certain this wasn't my first time watching it. Hmm. Really? It's been so long that uh, I know I have seen a Planet of the Apes movie, but we're talking probably 25, 30 years ago that I didn't remember any of this. And it's altogether possible that uh, the one I vaguely remember seeing was actually Return or one of the others. Yeah, just one of the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So it, it may as well have been a first time for me if it wasn't. I've seen but this. But you, you knew the twist at the end already, though, of right? Of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen this multiple times. Like, I'm talking like 15, 20 times. Because for some reason, I remember when I was growing up, like NBC or ABC, you know, they always had like the movie of the week or the, you know, the Saturday cinema or something like that. It seemed to me that it was always like either one of the Planet of the Apes movies, a Trilogy of Terror, or fucking Sybil. <laughs> was, I, I've seen Sybil too many times. I've never seen Sybil. Well, I've don't worry. I've seen it for you. You I got mean, me covered. Yeah. I got you covered on the Sybil thing. Um, <laughs> I didn't know which I didn't know was a thing. Um, but uh, what I've I know I've seen all of them multiple times just from that. And I do recall uh, Joel. Were you with me when we they had the uh, Planet of the Apes weekend and you, me, and Dennis? drank like six six packs and oh no it was it was me dennis and reichert where we just spent the whole time of the weekend watch planet of the apes over and over and over again because they played them all one right after the other i i was there at the beginning because i dennis was living at the bon Vila at that point and we were at his place and the first one was was just starting or something and i sat down and started watching it and you know he had that little like 24 inch tv or whatever 14 inch i was small and i got wrapped up into it and he's like well i guess our day is planned so he ran to the white hand grabbed a bunch of snacks and 
sat there and, and I fell in love with it. I've been hooked ever since. Now, was that the first time you saw it then? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yep. And and it became a thing. He made me a T-shirt of, you know, the apes when they they're, the gorillas are all standing there and they take the picture. Huh. He made me a T-shirt of that. And I bought the, the box set, which I recently upgraded to the Blu-ray. And then I saw the Tim Burton one in the theater. And then I saw the new, I've got all the new ones and I've seen them all multiple, multiple times. <laughs> so the Tim Burton one, but you still kept going, huh? Well... You know, it's it's like pizza. You know, even when it's not great, it's still still pretty good. Still was apes. So <laughs> it got apes. I, it was I, definitely I, ape pizza. Yes, it was definitely <laughs> it was ape pizza for sure. Doesn't matter. I had ape pizza. Now, but I'm I, I love this here. Love it. Now, what did you think of the opening cinematography? I mean, with the with the ship crashing. Uh, I did have a note about this. Like, I didn't mind the visuals, but the first. 10 minutes of the film has perhaps the most irritating sound design I've ever experienced in cinema. Yeah, the, this, the, it's like a, a whole orchestra that's forgetting when to come in. Yeah. But after they crash, it's not so good either as they're walking around the abandoned, desolate area, just the random percussions. Yeah, and it's not just the random <laughs> musical cues. It's like every sound effect was like tuned for maximum irritation. And the copy I watched, the dialogue was super quiet. So I turned it way up. And that, then the crash noises started coming in. And I was just like, oh, my ears. That happened to me also. <laughs> I kept I kept thinking there was some kind of blue whale trying to order a drink in the background. <laughs> I love that joke. Now here's uh, the thing though, is that the music was done by Jerry Goldsmith. Yep. So I mean, this is ex- his experimental years, maybe? I guess. Yeah. I he love sixty eight man. I love that opening shot where the after the ship crashes and it's in the water, not when they're inside it, but when they do the aerial shots. Yeah. Like those aerial shots are are pretty amazing. And that's one of the things that I love about the the early part of the film is a lot of the cinematography is just really beautiful. Well, and then once ooh. they get to the set, you know, things kind of settle in. But. Well, I think one of the, one of the things I was thinking about with this was when they filmed this, the, the expect never was the expectation that people were going to watch this inside their homes. You know, they, nobody, nobody was even thinking about VHS at this point. True. So I think the, the idea with those uh, scenes in the very beginning and the spinning of the jet and the crashing and all that and the music even was to create a disorientation with the audience. You know, cause if I you're, can see that. If you're watching this on a huge screen and you want to get people to really feel the idea of the ship crashing – and and like you're on an alien planet and you know what's going on and right right I mean so do that and every by the end of it everyone's like what the hell just happened you know and everyone's disoriented you know you might have people you know throwing up their yoohoo in the in the aisles for all you know <laughs> I, I think you've also got some of that early film history like you see with the early westerns that had the great aerial shots where they show people walking around because they can. Because before this point, it was all soundstage stuff. So it might seem boring to us because we're used to seeing like real outdoors on location. But there might be 10 minutes of people walking around just to say, hey, look at what we can actually do now. Right. And they have to prove to the producers, this is what we spent the budget on. Yeah. Well, right. What's kind of amazing is you think about it now, any, any, any low budget movie that's made, if you can get your hands on a drone, you can do the same thing. But at this time... That was probably a helicopter. Uh, I'm going to go with jet. Because if, if someone's doing 180s in a helicopter, 
I'm impressed. <laughs> those are those are those are that's a little bit difficult to do in a helicopter. Blue Thunder, I don't know. Um, but could have been a well, man on a jetpack. The director said that he wanted to create um the 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 feeling that you were in the crash. Oh, that, he, that was the whole design of that originally. Yeah, well, he did a good job at that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty successful, and the whole ship was made out of wood. Oh, really? It was a wooden. They built half the ship out of wood. And that's what was in the lake that huh. they were in. And then you saw. think it would have caught on fire old, when they launched it. It's an old, old wooden ship. <laughs> it was an old, old wooden. But uh, what I thought, okay, and now some of the commentary that I saw online was with Stuart. Oh, of course they kill off the woman in the beginning. It's the 1970s. I think it was more of a twist. Well, I think it was also a more of a. I don't really want to write in some rape and pillage scenes with the with the apes, so let's kill the woman off before they discover the women. Well, and I it gave know. justification for Ty- Taylor and and Nova's. Yeah, although when two white guys and the black guy got off the plane, uh, got off the ship, I was like, oh, don't do this trope. Ah, <laughs> uh, they killed him first. Although you got to admit that opening sequence where they're where they're got the giant sticks and they're batting down the. The corn or whatever mm-hmm. that is in the field is. Kind we of hate this terrifying. corn. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little terrifying at first because you're like, "What the hell?" If you would, you haven't seen it, now. Yeah, I will give them credit for the time having an astronaut deep space mission that's going to take hundreds of years to have only two white males and actually have a woman and a black guy. Like it's kind of progressive for the time. I'm well, gonna... But but the the implication though is. This woman is going to have to fuck all three of these guys to repopulate wherever they end up. Yeah, that implication wasn't so much as explicitly stated. Yeah, well, it's the implication until he basically just says, we were going to gangbang her. So is (laughs) she in danger? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) No, there's no real danger, Mike. You don't know. How many cigars did Charlton Heston have on board, by the way? Or did he just have the one? No, he had, must have had a lot of friggin' cigars. And since when does I'm sorry, a what? Are the, it wasn't NASA. It was something else on on there. But yeah, I don't remember. You know what, Chuck? Just go ahead, smoke on a smoke on yeah. the thing. Smoke light, on the light up in this rich, in this oxygen rich environment. environment. Yeah, <laughs> I thought about that as I was rewatching it last night or two nights ago. I was like, because I, I haven't seen it in, in a couple of years, and I was like, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. just. That's something you think about after having seen The Martian. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now, I Which will say... Which is probably the most realistic space movie. It's, it's good. Scientifically uh, speaking. I also want to say the meme showed up a hell of a lot earlier than I expected it to. The Charlton Heston laughing meme. Oh. <laughs> I was I, like, what are you talking about? It, back in my yeah. head, in my head, I, I thought it was like near the end of the movie. Yeah, my, my sister was, was, like, was like, why why was he laughing so psychotically? <laughs> Like, I think that was just a matter of the editor should have cut it, like, maybe three seconds earlier. I think it's one of those where you, it can be answered in two words. Charlton Heston. Right? He's like, I will not be edited. Yeah. You better leave that in. And how how great was it? And it just, just so such a testament to humanity that they, they're stumbling through this desert. They climb. They fall down this, you know, the side of the mountain or whatever. And they find one plant and like, oh, the first sign of life. Let's, Let's dig it, it up. <laughs> Let's dig it up and kill it. And okay, another qu- question I have: They come around the corner. There's, for for as far as you can tell, skin suits on the on this cliff. But then yeah. they hear water, and they're all going to go skinny dipping. 
right? What? On a strange planet, you don't know what this substance is. It could just be nothing but hydrochloric acid, as far as you know. Let's just take off all our clothes and jump in. And, you know, let's let's think about other sequences in, in strange environments, like um, when uh, the, in Star Wars, when they're in the garbage chute and there's, you know, the monster under the water that they can't see. You know, what kind of life is in the, you know, pull them under and eat them for breakfast. Or why didn't, before they climbed up this cliff to the skin suits, why didn't he take that gun out of his pack? They mentioned it. It is a full-on yeah. Chekhov's gun going on here you, right you, now. You straight up have proof of some sentient life here. You, you know, and you're just going to walk in there and be like, yep. I will say this. Let's not be wary of anything. Let's just take all our clothes off. The camera work on making sure that old Heston's junk didn't get exposed was amazing. Right? And I've never yeah. seen so many bushes placed so accurately in... It was like it was bushes to hide bushes. It's like when they when the ah, two of them started to kneel ah. down to look at the stuff on the ground. Like, well, wait, wait, what what's happening? Right. Yeah, I noticed that too because like he's still standing when the other two crouch. It's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> whatever he found, they're happy about it. And that and that camera ain't slowing down at all. <laughs> no, it was. You know, and I'm sure Hessen's like, I'm, I'm sure you can go lower than that. Just do it. Get it over with. <laughs> But no, I mean, another thing that I noticed, 1970s uh, sci-fi, everybody wears a color in accordance to what their job is. So oh, you've got the, classes, you know. the orange ones, you've got, you know, what were there, the, the security was black, the black outfits and the gorillas, the orangutans were. I well, guess, and the different types of, of you know, uh, you know, the orangutans or the gorillas or the, you know, they all have different jobs based on the type of. Is it, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I think so. That's it, yeah. Then there was that uh, cigar-smoking one in the in the prison. I dug him. He was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is anybody going to say anything? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, he, what am I supposed to say? I was waiting for some sort of comment there, but... Uh, I did move, kind of switching gears... I also noticed that there were a bunch of things while his vocal cords were messed up and he couldn't talk that he could have done to prove himself like more than any of the others that he just yeah. like coincidentally doesn't think of yeah. like riding one of the horses, wielding one of the weapons or just, you know, showing her, Hey, hand me the notepad and paper instead of just grabbing her into coming over and aggressively grabbing her and stealing it. You know, I know whatever happened to like holding out your hand and pretending like you're writing, you know, <laughs> right. Like, you know, there are all kinds of nonverbal communication skills well, you can use, but they mentioned that, you know, look, they're mimicking our movements. Yeah. But I'm so. saying when he's got, when he's got uh, the doctor there, that's sympathetic to him, you know, just mention motion to her that you want to write something down and she'll hand you the pad and paper you don't have to like grab her by the throat and like you know yank it off of her. Of course he did. It was the sex late seas. Yeah, that's how you treat women. But that's part of the whole shtick of you know a little bit you know ham-handed satire. It's like we have to show that man is you know too aggressive and too mean and too you know blah blah blah. Well, if you guys ever get a chance or you decide you want to continue on with this series, not not counting the the, the recent reboot. It is it is a fun series to watch and it does it is cyclical so once you get to the end of the last one it basically circles back around sort of and the timeline is a little confusing because Cornelius and Zira head back to 
back in time. They end up back at Earth. Their son, Caesar, is the one that leads the revolt that then starts the whole process of taking over the planet, the battle of the planet of the apes, the apes fighting the apes, the last of the humans are gone, and then that circles back around, and it's just... So, I, I haven't... Pretty sturdy loop. It's pretty sturdy. Um, I, I actually have not seen... I've seen some of the cartoon. I've not seen the TV series, so I'm kind of curious to see what they do with those stories. Um, but Beneath the Planet of the Apes is by far the worst. It's basically just the first one. Hmm. Just with a different astronaut that comes looking for Taylor. Goes through the same... <laughs> the same motions, basically. Good. Well, either way, I mean, as as all sequels and series go, I mean, they tend to get a little bit watered down as they make more of them. But honestly, I I think this one had such a great, I don't th- maybe even cultural impact. I'd say that's fair. It it did a lot for sci-fi. Did a lot for makeup. It did a lot for you know there was a lot of subtext with the entire series. Um, so yeah, no, it, it had a huge impact. It was a bit of a phenomenon when it happened. And Pierre Boulle, who wrote the original novel, he felt that wasn't even his best book. He's like, I don't even know why you guys want to do that. That's kind of crazy. But once they saw the different designs for, they had a bunch of artists do a bunch of renderings. And once they saw that, they saw that there was something more to it. And that's eventually what got it greenlit. But Nice. So... Have we milked this monkey as far as we can go? <laughs> Yikes. That poor monkey. Mm, that monkey time for Bonzo. You, you don't know the monkey if the monkey doesn't like it. There are 50 ways to milk a monkey. <laughs> eh, 47. I, okay, before he gets into the remaining two, I'm going to call break. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, we will be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about the not Wahlberg remake. Right. And uh, come back in a little bit, talk about uh, whatever the movie is that I just lost in my head. <laughs> Rise, Rise, Rise of the Planet of the, the Apes. Apes. <laughs> so There's so many adjectives in front of these movies. I just rise, m- slowly m- moving, the slow move of the Planet of the Apes. The burbling. <laughs> the, sham- the shambling of the Planet of the Apes. <gasps> Dude, zombies, zombie apes, fire lit. All right, I'm calling break. I don't want his fire being lit. All right, we are back. And uh, we're going to talk about some more ape movies. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, 2011, um, where they decided to reboot after a reboot. Because the second reboot, everybody was kind of like, let's not do that again. <laughs> yep. oh. It ended and everybody was like, huh? Yeah, that's, I, I think, was everybody's reaction to it. Well, I had hope when it ended because I'm like, okay, I see where they're going. But. Yeah. I mean, it, it ended with like a womp, womp, womp. Not, I not had so much. little hope when it ended that uh, I did not watch any of these others until we had to for the show. Wow. Yeah, I had to convince you guys, but you thought it was a continuation. I was dragging my feet so hard on watching these. See, mine was like, well, it wasn't Star Crash, so, I mean, can only get better. Right, there's not going to be much worse than that. So, but yes, we watched Rise of the Planet of the Apes 2011, which is a prequel, would have been a prequel to Planet of the Apes from the original. Kind of leads into everything that happened. Um, This is... uh, (laughs) 
He said 2011, a substance designed to help the brain repair itself gives advanced intelligence to a chimpanzee who leads an ape uprising. That's how we get zombies. Not zombie apes. Zombies. Just zombies. Yes, so this is directed by Ru- Rupert Wyatt, who did uh, Patrick's favorite, The Gambler, The Escapist, and uh, Captive State. Which I really want to see. I do too. It looks good. He went. He uh, he's got a John Goodman again. Though even the Gambler did kind of suck back when we did that for the show. I thought John Goodman was really a great character in that one, and I always yeah. love stuff he's in. So we all agreed that he was that movie. Yeah, and uh, writing credits again. They got some good writers on this one. This is Rick Jaffa who wrote The Relic, Jurassic World, and is currently working on Avatar Three. Uh, honestly, The Relic. I think gets some bad rap, but it's really a pretty damn good monster movie. Do you remember that the one? Other two, the other two don't really hold hold water for your theory that he's a good writer, though. Well, better than... I like Jurassic World. Jurassic World yeah, was fun. And you haven't seen Avatar 3, so how do you know? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to suck, because Avatar 1 wasn't even good. Well, we've been sitting waiting how long now? I still haven't watched the first one. What? Yeah. Really? Huh. Yeah. Also, well, you've already, you already saw it when it was uh, Pocahontas or when it was Dancing with Wolves. Or the Smurfs. <laughs> la, 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 la. Um, so also, you've, seen, you've seen violent shit, but you haven't seen Avatar. No, I actually right? haven't seen violent shit. That, that, that sums up Joel so perfectly. I haven't actually seen it. I know about no, it. You have, no, it. no, you have seen some violent shit in movies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. But no, I haven't seen the actual called violent Okay. Shit. Another person that wrote this movie is Amanda Silver. Uh, she wrote uh, The Hand That Rocks a Cradle, was her first uh, steps into movie writing, and she's also worked on Relic Jurassic World and Avatar 3. Oh, that must be a team. Yeah. Oh. Either so, uh, that or it's a high coincidence. Wait. They <laughs> hired you again? Weird. What, what are the chances? Um, but yeah, this stars Andy Serkis. I love him. As a character that doesn't exist yet again. He yeah, is, but when he plays an actual role, like in uh, Hugo and uh, oh, Black Marvel. Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I got so upset when they killed him in Black Panther. Yeah, but, I was hoping the claw was going to be spoilers. more of a, a character. But no. he's, he's good when he's he's actually on screen, too. Now, one of the things that I that he's also done outside of, like, Gollum and all the other ones, but uh, do you guys see the uh, Tintin movie? Oh. Uh, no, no, I we are not one that. of yeah. the seventeen people that saw it. No, I saw it. What? I, I was a big fan of what? the books. How could you? Uh, the Adventures of Tintin was amazing. It was a great movie. Yeah, it was actually really good. Yeah, held totally close to the books that I loved. And Josh, like I read them when I was growing up. But uh, he does the voice of Captain Haddock. Mm-hmm. So the African Explorer. Well, and if you guys get a chance, see Burke and Hare. That's another. Oh, I've seen uh, that. It's it's on my list. Yeah, with Andy Serkis and Ilse Fisher and yeah, but nice. um, coming That's up really at the good. end of this year, uh, the he Christmas Carol is coming out again for a TV miniseries that they're still filming where he plays the ghost of Christmas past. Cool. So, nice. but yeah, so that uh, Andy Serkis, uh, Karen Conaval is Maurice, court clerk. Terry Notary is Rocket. Bright Eyes. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Bright Eyes, kind of interesting that they, I, I mean, of course, there's so many references in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Like, lines put out of place, uh, it was definitely a love letter to the original. 
Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes though, it wasn't so much a love letter as it was crammed in there. Huh. I didn't feel like there was anything badly crammed in. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Pat on this. You think so? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they were appropriately placed. Okay. I mean, they didn't like design the scene just for that. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Bright Eyes, Terry Notary played him. Uh, the other things that he has played that we know of, Onset Groot, he was the full costume Groot for Avengers Endgame. Uh, oh, okay. He was in Warcraft, the beginning, he played Peon. <laughs> and so he's done a lot of, like, motion capture. Uh, motion capture, full costume type of stuff. And in, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Cabin in the Woods, he played the clown. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, so he's got some... We, kinda... we saw Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Went to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Went to the theater to see it. That was a great movie. I love that. Yes. Uh, Richard Ridings as Buck the Ape. Also, uh, Christopher Gordon as Koba the Ape. Koba. Koba. Um, Koba's a great oh, character. It's weird that they mention him as an ape. Well, I guess they, they're all technically apes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this guy uh, stunts in... Everything. The Mummy, Mission Impossible. He's the stunt double for Tom Cruise. Uh, he was in the stunt double for Aaron Paul. Uh, stunts in Deadpool, stunts in Tomorrowland, Night at the Museum, everything. His whole background is all stunts. Godzilla, he was a stunt double for Aaron Thomas Johnson. So Taylor. Uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Sorry, Joel. Didn't What's mean to. strange is that he's always wearing the Cobra costume when he doesn't. Yeah, didn't mean to. Really weird. You there. Uh, <laughs> Cornelia, like Devin Dalton. Jay Caputo as Alpha. James Franco as the scientist Will Rodman. Uh, Frida Pinto as Caroline Arana. John Lithgow as Charles Rodman. Brian Cox, uh, completely not surprised that he was there if it wasn't Brian. Hang on, we're, we're blowing past these actors way too fast. Oh, slow down. Slow me down then. Yeah, Frida Pinto, I want to go back. Go ahead. Uh, she is an up-and-comer Uh Probably before this, best known for Slumdog Millionaire. Like, she had a huge career in, like, uh, Indian modeling. And uh, I expect to see a whole lot more out of her. Excellent. Yeah, I I think she's in the new Mowgli as well. The one we didn't see. Oh, the new, yeah, the Legend of the Jungle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nice. That I, was all. I mean, we all no. know who John Lithgow is, but we I wanted to... Who? Say something about Frida Pinto for sure. Now, I I still have not seen Slumdog Millionaire. Is this another one of those that you guys are like, oh my god, you totally need I to see it? I haven't seen it. All I've seen is the uh, the Slumdog Millionaire thing on The Office that I've got. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's not a feel-good movie necessarily, but like... Like Million Dollar Baby. Okay, yeah. Totally feel-good I, I, I like... I, <clears throat> excuse me. I liked Slumdog Millionaire. I didn't love it. Okay. But you felt like it was something that you, was worth watching, but you don't have to see it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely put it in that category. Like, maybe not as much of a, like, tear your heart out and be like, okay, I'm glad I watched that, but never again. Not quite in that category, but, I mean, in the neighborhood. I'm never going to buy it on DVD. Right. It's it's on my long list, along with me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so moving on, uh, Brian Cox is John Landon, the guy who has this strange primate house in the middle of an urban area. Um, every time I see Brian Cox in anything, I'm just excited because I've been a fan. I, I, I still hold to my, uh, statement that he was the best Hannibal Lecter. So I've been a fan since Manhunter. 
Well, and I always think of him as uh, his role in the ring for some reason always pops in my head. I think of Brian Cox. I know that's not, you know, the place everybody goes, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird kind of bit part. Yeah. <laughs> it just always pops into my head when I think about Brian Cox. Yeah. I, Brian Cox, I, this character, initially, first time I saw him, I kind, I hate to say, I kind of thought it was uh, Rip Torn. Uh, I did the same thing. Okay. It's the beard. Good. I don't feel too bad then. No, I, I'm a fan of Brian Cox, and I mistook him for Rip Torn for a couple of seconds. Okay, I'm all right then. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Tom. I Felton. would say this is the probably the closest that Brian Cox comes to phoning something in. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, although, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't I mean, like... that, that, his role could have been anybody. It wasn't. It wasn't like it needed to be Brian Cox. No, well, I was about to comment on Troy, but even though Troy was a dog shit movie, he was actually pretty good in it. Excellent. So Tom Felton as Dodge Landon. Well, they said, Tom, remember when you played the Slytherin? Just <laughs> keep doing that. Just <laughs> no magic this time. Yeah, you no get a, You get a, 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 a wand, but it's like... We're going to do some typecasting. Can I have, some, huh. can I have a glowy I stick? I did you not didn't realize that was him? Yeah. No, well, not at all. Huh. I mean, I'm glad he's getting work, but I mean... What are you going to do? Even when his that? dad, Jason Isaac, came to pick him up, you didn't pick it up? <laughs> uh. No. You douche. <laughs> All right. And then, David, you're going to have to help me with this last name. Oh, you're Lowell? Yes. As Stephen Jacobs, the owner of the uh, company. And Tyler Labine, playing Robert Franklin, typecast as the guy who kind of doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, he's still, you know, scientific. He's just... He's not scientific. Nobody in this movie is scientific. Okay, these uh, are, are the worst killer. scientists I've ever seen. Uh, David Oyelowo, uh, dude has range. He does. I knew I had seen him somewhere, but I had to go to IMDb to uh, figure out where. I was like, holy crap. Well, what were you I thinking didn't know of? what I knew him from. He's done a lot of <gasps> Oh, he played Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> That's what I... Just said yes. Did you say that? Oh, you blanked. Yes, I you, did. You blanked yeah. out on me. I did not hear that. Literally, I did not hear that. Oh, okay. All right. He also played Martin Luther King Jr. Really? <laughs> Selma, yeah. Oh, good to know. You know what? I bet he would be really good at. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He he'd be a good like. I I can't do this anymore. Yes. Um, trivia. The original post-credit scene had Koba discovering an abandoned police shotgun in the woods and learning to shoot it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they cut. So, uh, one of the, this is when, one when of the... he when he shot when he. Sh... Go yeah, ahead. I don't want to... Never mind. You know nope. what? I'm not going to tell. Get that. it out. Nope. Get it out. Nope. Oh, when, 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 when he would when he would shoot the shotgun, he would scream really loud. That was the Cobra cry. The Cobra cry. Co- yeah. Cobra. See, Cobra cry. Yeah, I flipped, the, I flipped the letters around. It's Cobra Cry. Who let him have words again? <laughs> uh, this is one of the first movies to use motion capture on an on-location setting. Previously, mocap was limited to studio setups with uh, green screens all over the place. So they actually did mocap in the forest on this one. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Caesar's speaking voice was produced by sound designer Chuck Michael, who mixed the sounds of fully grown male chimps vocalizations that he recorded at a place called Chimp Haven, and then mixed those tones in with Andy Serkis' voice. Huh. That's kind of a neat concept. I know, right? 
Like, how can you sound more chimpy, Andy? And he's like, I don't know. It's as good as I can do. I can do more Gollum on you. I can't. No, Gollum's done. Give me another one of those cookies. Right. Uh, Andy Circus based Caesar's behavior on a chimpanzee named Oliver for the balance of behaving like a civilized chimp. His red shirt and black pants, his appearance, and his ability to sign well are based on another chimpanzee in science named Nim Chimpsky. That's awesome. <laughs> The only reason I put this in the trivia was for that name, to be able to say Nim Chimsky. I would watch a show with Ski. I would, too. But you'll watch yeah, anything, really. So, uh, Koba was a nickname of Joseph Stalin during his time as a revolutionary in Georgia. It was taken by Stalin based in the book The Patricide by Georgian author Alexandre Kazebezi. Kazbegi. Kazbegi. That guy. Yep. So a little mm, bit of foreshadowing. Yes. Oh, man. I love cheese kabeggies. Um, a little bit of foreshadowing on that, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... Spoiler, I really like this movie after all of my dragging my feet to not want to watch it at all. Dragging your knuckle. Huh? Yeah. Uh, like, I, from uh, almost the uh, moment I sat down, I was I was hooked in on this one. And uh, I, I was just so put off by the earlier reboot. Thought this was part of the same series and just completely ignored the trilogy. And now I've discovered it, and I'm I'm all in. I'm going to watch the other two in the, in the next couple of days. Yeah, I'm we're happy. Heading back to the library, pick up the rest of them because I was like, we saw the rest of them on the shelf, and we're like, well, nah, let's not risk it. <laughs> so uh, that is the end of the trivia. Is I'm assuming for at least three of us, this is the first watching. Uh, two of us, because I think Pat said he saw it in the theater, and I'm guessing it's not Joel's first. Rodeo. Oh, I'm oh, sure yeah, that's right. all. that is correct. So I, I saw it in the theater, oh, and Joel owns it. Yeah. Oh, I've seen him multiple times. Yeah. I'm a fan. Plus, I got Isaiah hooked on it. And he... I didn't watch the second two, but I've I've seen the first one. Okay. So, first comment I have recorded on this is: they got one successful result. Let's test it on humans. These are not right. good scientists. <laughs> right. Well, but to be fair, James Franco did it on his own. I mean. He... No, he, they're talking about he's he's talking about at the beginning when the before the the bright eyes freaked out that whole meeting they're having with their shareholders is talking about you you know starting human trials. Yeah. Well, because they're all like, oh, it's ready, you know, and like yeah, we you know we have one successful thing that worked right, you know, and and we've given it you know three days or whatever. Yeah, it happened like twenty minutes ago. We're totally good. Well, he was pushing because he wanted to legally test it on his dad before his dad just was too far gone or dead. Right. No, and I, I mean that's yeah. Yeah, I get that, but I mean in in if you have any sort of scientific background on this sort of thing, I mean like any sort of scientist would be like, "All right, we got one success. Let's what do you do? You test it again." You yeah, know? but I mean Josh is right. He was probably trying to to twist his own morals a little bit just to get his father cured yeah well yeah. and the shareholders they're like you know how quickly can we turn this around so we can start making bank on it because if it's successful i mean it's not quite the cure for cancer but it's well not the way they push it it was a cure for everything really is it's one of, it's one of the top cures you know i mean yeah. alzheimer's yeah. is one of the top ones they're looking for yeah exactly it would be a huge cash cow for these they'd yeah. just be printing money and i'm also gonna say who taught those guys how to move a chimpanzee <laughs> right what the hell? Why didn't they just get a burlap bag and try and put it in the bag? Might have worked better. It might have. These, It's like this is the first time these but guys I mean, did this. I get that we're trying to show that, you know, 
this this chip was showing unusual aggression that they weren't expecting. But still, maybe you should be ready for something when you're handling wild animals instead of just having one guy loosely hold the the pole with the 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 noose on it, you know, and just freak out the second it moves towards him. I don't know. No, no, maybe that's I, maybe not. No, I agree with you. It's it, you know, and you would think that's a high tech lab like this would have like another cage to put right up against there so the monkey would run in there when you drop the cookie in the bisque in the box or something like that and then you just close it behind it to move it somewhere else versus well let's see if we can freak him let's psych him out with the lasso <clears throat> yeah and, and once you get through the first door guess what all the scientists for tearing apart that you want yeah, I mean, as much as I love this movie, I will admit that their containment procedures were inferior to the ones we have for, like, special ed kids at the school. <laughs> right? Just just saying. like, And, not in, and these, these things are, like, seven times stronger than those kids. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, when someone is going off, when someone is having, like, physical difficulty, we would not treat them as casually as they treated this theoretically extremely dangerous beast like when you hear what happens when uh, a chimp actually attacks a human like how badly they can tear a person apart oh yeah when you have somebody who has a, has it as a pet and it finally freaks out on them those those yeah. stories never end well right that's why i always yeah, keep literally tear limbs off and faces off and shit you know i mean that's why you always carry cookies always well i carry cookies for a totally different reason but i yeah but you're safe now you Safe from chimp attack. Yep. Hey, I Pat. will be a chimp leader if I have cookies. Apparently. <laughs> hey, Pat. That's why we're friends. Pat. That's I... all it takes to. That's all it takes to, to lead the chimps is a bag of cookies. I don't want to tell you this, Pat, but I ate your cookies. Oh, now you're the leader of the chimps! Yay! <laughs> and also, how does? I mean, I, I I did enjoy this movie. I'm going to give you a, a prequel on that. I'm I did enjoy this. <gasps> I know, but I live in a suburban neighborhood how the hell does he keep this monkey hidden for three friggin years i think most people know about it they just most people don't care yeah because it's not you know, like the he's only person that's directly yeah the only person that's directly affected with it is by it is his one neighbor yeah that's my suspicion well he does say this is never gonna ha this won't ever happen again which assumes that it happened previous yeah, I think they, they knew, but they're just like, you know what? I mean, if I call on this guy, that's going to cause a problem. I'm going to have to sell my house. Yeah. I don't want to deal with that hassle. Fine, whatever dude's got a monkey. I'm just going to go back to doing my white people crap. <laughs> he slipped him a cookie. He's like, here you go. No. And I'm just thinking of like the <laughs> stuff that a bad neighbor gets away with in the actual suburbs. Right. And this this is not that far fetched for me. Well, and again, he keeps it in the house ninety nine percent of the time, mm -hmm. unless so there's a wide open window. Right. I mean, it's it's, but it's not like that. He's outside yeah, but, walking around the block, and people keep barking dogs constantly, and people don't report them. You know, if you got a monkey, if as long as he's not making any noise and causing a ruckus, most people are probably going to ignore it. Yeah, and I think that was kind of the implication. Right. He kept to himself. And he, didn't, and he, didn't, he didn't really go outside. He just stayed in the house all the time. So for most people, it was probably just like Boo Radley. Ooh, look at you with the literary references. Yeah. That's right. Nice. That's right. I know shit. It's a great book. I only read it like a year ago. 
Maybe two. For the first time? Yeah. Wow. Something yeah, else that I, a great book. Something else I want to point out. Mm-hmm. So uh here we have them trying to vape Alpha. <laughs> was it Alpha or was it Coba? Coba. They're trying to vape Coba. The mask comes off, Tyler Labine's Robert's face mask comes off, and nobody does a goddamn thing. They don't so they yelled at him to put his mask back on. Well, yeah, and it, that's what I'm saying. Well, and they were intending for this to be used on humans next. They figured, okay, head scientist dude says that this is going to be a better version of what we know works. So like, I don't yeah. think anyone's thinking zombie apocalypse. I'd, you know, I, I was just saying, you know, it hasn't been tested on humans. But they oh. were thinking free human test subjects. Right. Well, and he knew how it did for his father. So he's like, maybe it'll make him troll scientists. <laughs> and then... I'm going to say the CEO said uh, Jacobs, the CEO, he flip flops on a heartbeat, man. Right. <laughs> I told yeah. you never to do this. Oh, wait, it worked. It worked once. Yeah. All right. It worked, it worked, let's not make the same mistake we did before. Wait, it worked one time again. All right. Send everybody to the lab. We're wrap it all up, guys. We're done here. <laughs> now, yeah, I know you just admitted to a major ethical violation, but money. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not. I'm Again, I'm not. I enjoyed this actually I think much more than the original. Uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm totally all in. Like I, I I can poke fun at some of the silly things, but it really doesn't matter cuz you've got they flip the script so well. You you relate to Caesar uh throughout the original and by the end it's like wait a minute. I I'm I'm definitely rooting for the apes. Yeah. Well, and one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when um, Steven comes back into the the building and mm. he looks up and there's just the apes just surrounding him all above. Yeah. Uh, all the different floors above him. And he's just like, oh, because, you know, you know oh, Caesar was because like Caesar was like, oh, he's coming. He's coming. Everybody get in place. <laughs> It'd be like a surprise party, but with murder. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and the sequence. Like, guys, 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 this is going to look so cool if we just all line up around the rotunda. <laughs> and all the leaves are falling. That's a great shot. Or uh, anything the on the spear. Right? When the s- they've all got the spears from the zoo yes. fence. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And they just appear over the crest of that building and start winging them at the animal control vehicle. That was That was my huzzah moment. I thought one of the best shots, and, and and it was amazing because it was pretty much all CGI, which gives testament to how good the CGI was in this movie. But when uh, Caesar turns his back on James Franco's character, you know, basically he shuts the gate and says, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm turning my back on quote unquote home. And that shot, that shot of you know where you're looking at Caesar's in the foreground, you're looking at his face, and you see James Franco in the background, and he just kind of steals himself to be like. You know, don't turn around, don't look at him, whatever, you know. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's CGI, but it was still such a great shot, you know, and it, it like humanized that the character of Caesar so much because you could just, you could see it in his eyes where he's just like, you know, just just making himself, you know, turning himself into iron to to not turn around. Yeah. Well, and the humanization of all of the uh, other apes, uh, you've got uh, in particular Maurice, Buck, Koba and Rocket. Those are going to be your big non-Caesar characters. Aside from being differentiated by their breed, like uh, Rocket, uh, I think, is the only other one who's a chimp. Where Koba's a bonobo, uh, Buck is a gorilla, Rocket is an orangutan. 
Yeah. I think no, I not think Ra- right. Maurice is the orangutan. Yeah. Can I point Did, out? I'm sorry. Can I point yeah. out one thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just one more thing. Okay, so Brian Cox walks into. He's going to go get his jacket. I'm I'm leaving for the day. Oh, I left my keys in the other room. He walks in his room to get his keys, and the monkeys are doing a frigging kick line together. Right. And he just brushes it off. Nazi rally going on. (laughs) And he was just kind of like, and 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 then they all kind of like, oh shit, he's looking. Everybody disperse, disperse, disperse. And he and he double he does double down on it. He's like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's probably nothing. You know. (laughs) <laughs> See you later. See you later, son. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you don't get ripped to pieces by this tribe of violent monsters we created. I almost think is a. Did I really just see that? No. Yeah. What I just saw was impossible, so I didn't just see that. Yeah, maybe. I like think a disbelief. Yeah. That, but this <laughs> was counted it up as a weird, you know, thing that happened and moved. They were they were just having an AA meeting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was probably more of I need to get more sleep and drink less in the morning kind of moment. Right. Yeah, the whole thing was I mean, I'm just like <laughs> And the thing is like the all the monkeys are like, shit, he saw everybody, just act natural. <laughs> get the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mentioned it before, but that scene on the bridge is just Oh yeah. All over the tactics. Um and not to mention, who who doesn't just love to to watch a, the old classic gorilla versus helicopter match? Oh yeah, <laughs> natural animals, animals really. Yeah, <laughs> and, the... and gor- gorilla versus versus cop on a horse. Dude, that scene was awesome. That was awesome too. Yeah, it was, they were both great. I'm being semi serious. Who doesn't love that? That was kind of cool. Uh, even before the increased intelligence, Maurice was hilarious. Just yeah. like some of his lines in Sign. Or just very well written. Yeah, did, did they have subtitles in the actual movie version? I watch everything with subtitles, so I don't. No, because the Footlocker version didn't have subtitles, so I didn't know if I, no. and I didn't remember if they they did in the theater. No. Uh, wait. So no, the, they had it. they had subtitles for the signing. Yeah. yeah otherwise, those scenes wouldn't have made any damn sense. Well, no, they didn't have it in the Footlocker version. There were no subtitles. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Is like I was, I was like, are we just meant to be left in the dark as to what they're saying, or am I just missing something because I'm watching a jacked up version? Uh, I think it was just a jacked up version because yeah, yeah there's a lot of writing there in terms yeah. of like story development. I figured, but whatever. I love how the cops are like, oh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put a blockade at this end of the bridge, and you guys force them forward on this end of the bridge. It's not like they can climb or anything, <laughs> right? Like, and I, I got all excited. I really got into it after the, uh, after the bridge scene, you know, everything going on, they get into the forest. I, you know, get the whole, you know, uh, Caesar is home thing. I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. And I was ready for another two hours. (laughs) Well, fortunately there's another four. I know, I know, but I was just like, I'm like, wait, (laughs) when it ended and him at the top of the tree, I'm like, no, wait, wait. Stop! Stop! I need to know what happens next. This is. Did I mean, you, did I what? Did you watch the post-credit scene? Yeah, with the with the virus, where some of they were playing Virus yeah. Inc. or whatever it's called. Yeah, where the guy went on the pilot. Yeah, or that, whatever got on the plane, and then it showed it spreading across the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was actually pretty cool. Which, I, yeah, luckily there are two more movies, so if you want to see what happens, I mean, granted, each one of them 
progressively takes place a little bit further down the road. You know, years have passed, but. Well, and if you look at the reviews, it's the opposite uh, of the way it worked for the original, where I mentioned that we looked and saw that the reviews just kept getting worse and worse for the sequels. For this, in general, uh, at least as far as critics are concerned, they got better. It went from like 92 to 96 to 98. Well, right. Who, who's in the next one? Uh, the second one has Gary Oldman as one of okay. characters. And then Woody, Woody Harrelson. Harrelson. I mean, if you're going to up your game... I mean, if, if you're starting with James Franco and you go to Gary Oldman, to Woody Harrelson, that's that's like a geometric expansion on talent right there. I, I didn't have a problem with James Franco as a scientist because I know James Franco himself. He's an intelligent guy. I had a I have a problem with James Franco as a scientist because James Franco is not a very good actor. <laughs> See, I liked him, but it was it was a joke. I, I got nothing, dude. <laughs> I, this is one of the movies that made me a fan of his that and and the disaster artist uh made me a fan i like james franco i just i mean he i don't think he's a very great actor he's not like a horrible actor i like james franco reeves no oh Ah. Oh. i i like james franco also but i like james franco in comedies i think he's a great comedic i like pineapple express is a very funny movie yeah it is uh this is the end that's another very funny movie yeah well Dawn of the Planet of the Apes also has Carrie Russell, Jason Clark, Toby Keeble, uh, Cody Smith McPhee, uh, Kirk Acevedo. So, you know, it's got some other. I'm a fan of Kirk Acevedo, so. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the main characters in that. With the... I was sold anyway, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in. And then it looks like the third one is War, and that's got who I'm looking. Oh, that's Steve Zahn. Okay. Steve Zahn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Huh. I mean, I was sold for when I saw like the um, the gorillas riding the horses, and then the one gorilla helping load the chain gun on the yeah, trailer that I saw. It looked. It's solid. It's yeah. I I, th- I think you guys are gonna if you like this one, it just it ramps it up, um, <gasps> and it gets. I agree with the reviews. I'm so glad we did this show because I never would have given it a chance if you guys hadn't made me. This is such sense. a twist because normally we're like. Shit! You made me watch this movie. I hate you. <laughs> occasionally we do that, but uh, yeah, I, occasionally we're in the. Uh, I never would have watched this if we hadn't been forced to, but it turned out to be a good thing. This fortunately fell into that category for me. Yeah. So I'm assuming. Are we looking at eight thumbs up on this one? I think so. Unless someone didn't like the original. Pat. No, I'm good with all of it. Yeah. Then yeah. Eight thumbs up. Fantastic. Uh, even Pat liked it, so yeah, this is a clean sweep. Hooray! Woo woo! Hey Joel, what yeah. are we doing next week? <laughs> next week, we are uh, eating up some pepperoni and cheese and crust. We're talking. It's up. the pepperoni roll show. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking. We're doing the calzone show. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're doing pizza. <laughs> you dick! Yeah. That made me laugh. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. And uh, yeah, if you have your thoughts on Planet of the Apes or uh, anything we talked about this week, uh, please don't call us about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King jokes. Uh, Anything else, call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's (laughs) 708-669-9727. Yeah, so now you know. Even I. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you've wondered where our line is. (laughs) Even, Even I knew not to cross that line. Yeah. 
So uh, also, if iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, we are all over the World Wide Web. Uh, find us there. Look at our older stuff. And, uh, you know, after the pizza show, hey, we're on show 300. What? Uh, what? That's insane. It It's insane to me that we're doing show 300, but we are re-watching Conan the Barbarian, uh, the original versus the remake, and we're seeing... Uh, if you if we feel the same way about it so go back to uh episode one and uh listen to us before we realized that we needed to upgrade our microphones and <laughs> figure out that we needed a theme song and all that other fun stuff and uh, you know give us a comment on that you know give us a call like josh said and uh yeah thanks for listening and we'll be back next week Searching Google images for rage quit. (laughs) Searching Fiverr for talent. Oh, Oh. Oh. that was harsh. I mean, I approve, but still. Yeah, that that was good.